ओम स्तापकाय चरमस्य सर्वधारमस्वरूपिने अवतारवरिष्ठाय रामकृष्णाय मंगलम ओम मंगलम गुरुदेवाय देवेमतृक्ष मंगल मंगल भक्तावृंदेव्यो सर्वोकाय मंगल स्पिशस कंजंक्शन राम फेल ऑन न्यू इयर्स ईव परफेक्ट we always of course are um, we have an our monthly amavasha program that's fixed but for the last i don't know more than 10 years or so we've been doing our this new year's eve uh you leave we start around you know 9:00 or something start doing bhajans 8:00 9:00 until midnight usually and then right around 11:30 we do a little bit of reading and then at midnight we have a big aarti to greet the new year <coughs> the The only one slight problem is like what's the significance of the new year the state is a little arbitrary right uh, most of the holidays are fixed exactly to an exact moment uh, the sun and the moon and and planets like this all the holidays are done. this is a little bit of an arbitrary holiday but we all we we set our clocks to it we set our calendars to it so it's still a significant uh, day uh, so we follow like this but really in our tradition more than new years first gen we're of course about to enter first january uh the first january in our tradition is special for another reason because we call this not new new years we call it kalpaturu day in the ramakrishna tradition kalpaturu means anybody know wish fulfilling is it in the mystical tree it says to be in the heavenly world that there's a tree under if you anything sitting underneath that tree anything you want it gives that fruit any fruit any fruit and whatever you want it gives that fruit couple wish fulfilling tree uh, like a wish fulfilling gem we have these ideas and so in uh, in ramakrishna leela on 1st january very towards the very end of his life within i think the last few at least the last month i think of his life uh, he was uh, people most people here know a little bit about sri ramakrishna's life but the end of his life he developed throat cancer and he was moved to uh, kashipur no kashipur for treatment kashipur is a neighborhood directly across the ganga from uh, uh, from uh, belmont in that area and so they rented the devotees the householder devotees rented a house where he could be taken care of he couldn't be taken care of properly in dakshinishwar and so we don't think to we don't like to meditate on this leela of ramakrishna it's not a, we like to see sri ramakrishna singing and dancing in ecstasy and teaching you know sadhana was his gurus and his disciples like this uh, at the end of his life it was very difficult uh, sickness you know uh, very uh, uh, difficult uh. but what happened and so the devotees would try to come but most people wouldn't be able to see him because actually he even made a statement that if many people see if people see this me in this state in this sick state that though their karmas will be burned very quickly but this body won't last he was in the mode of absorbing people's karmas at the end of his life right and so um uh, so the disciples took it we have to preserve our guru's body so they literally stood at the door with sticks not letting any new people in trying to cuz everybody wanted to see him cuz they saw that he was in a very uh, large gracious uh, state but they didn't want him to die quickly but one day actually uh, uh, which i'm going to read from the uh, shri ramakrishna leela prashang which is translated Swami Chaitanya Sri Ramakrishna his divine play it's a um over 1000 page uh, biography of Sri Ramakrishna by one of his direct disciples Swami Sharananda and Swami Sharananda wrote this book actually 
when after Sri after Sri Ramakrishna's passing, many people began to tell stories, legends, right? Oh, what Ramakrishna did and was said, and it became a little bit. They were not not always reliable, and a little bit kind of uh, 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 embellishing and exaggerating like that. And so Swami Shardanda wrote, he, did, he researched from his own memory, from his own discussions with Sri Ramakrishna, and he interviewed people who knew him in his youth, and was able to put together a pretty authoritative, interpreted biography. Uh, but he also wrote it because Holy Mother, he, was a, 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 he, he dedicated his life to serving Holy Mother, Sharada Devi. Uh, and so in order to raise money for her upkeep, and to build her a house, and to take care of her, he, he wrote this book to release as, a, as magazine articles, to sell a magazine so he could raise money to, to serve Holy Mother. And when Holy Mother expired, when she left her body, his impetus for writing was gone. So he stopped. He never, the book was never finished. But also, it's the part where he finished, where, where he stopped, is when Sri Ramakrishna is sick. So you don't feel like writing the death of your guru. And then the impetus for writing was also gone, so he stopped. So the, 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 the book ends with his story, but it's not the end of Sri Ramakrishna's life. His death, his, his actual past Mahasamadhi is not described. Not, not, no, it was never written down. Okay. <coughs> so Sri Ramakrishna, so I'll read from... Uh, uh, so it's also important, uh, sorry, a little, little of ideas come fleshing in on New Year's. Why is New Year's important? Uh, why we're all gathered here just when you put, if it's just another day, you should just be sleeping and wake up, wake up in the morning. Yeah. Or you should be, and if, it's, if you have a day off, you should be partying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what most people do. But here it shows you why people, of course, why people, uh, why yogis come to temple, we want to greet the new year in an auspicious way. Because we feel like we, you know, in Dakshinishwar, millions of people come to Dakshinishwar tomorrow. But the crowds go on for miles and miles and miles, the busiest day. Because uh, people feel that they want to see, they want to start their, how they start the year, they'll, they'll live that year. So we greet the year in this way, an auspicious way. But because we want, because we have a, a sense, and something Sri Ramakrishna uh, focused on a lot before we tell the story, one of the main teachings, is that this life is meant for something. Right? He says that, that Sri Ramakrishna said that not only is God real, that's already a big statement, God exists, but God can be experienced. Right, so that's also a big statement. A lot of people believe that God exists, but other, but only the founders of religions can experience, not us. Right, but anybody can relate. But not only that, that's the reason why we are alive. The purpose of human birth, of hu purpose of creation, and the crown of creation, the human species, is to realize God. Right, it says in the scriptures that in order to get a first, our first human body, you've been born eight million times. Right, there's eight million four hundred thousand species according to the Vedic understanding. But it says that before your first human body, you've been at least eight million births, according to the scriptures. Right, to get a human body is not an easy thing. In this room, how many people? There's probably 30, 40 people in here. How many? How many? But how many? How many beings in this room are human? There's probably thousands of of, of, of insects and bugs and microbes and probably some mice, and who knows, hopefully not, and <laughs> different things like this, right? right? Right. But even in this room, this fraction of us, of us are human, right? And so, so a human birth is a very rare thing. So, the purpose, so why, what's the value of a human birth? Animal birth is very, if, if, like, like uh, if it's just to enjoy material life, then this body is not, a human body is not very good. We can't eat too much, we get sick. We can't sleep too much, we can't enjoy too much. You can't do anything too much. There's other species that are perfectly suited for better enjoyment, right? If you want to eat, 
If you really want, if eating is the goal of life, you can become a pig. That's a very nice body. Right? 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 Because you can, eat, you, can eat, you can eat all the time, right? You know, sex is the goal of life. There's other species, right? Uh, 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 but, human, but the human species is unique. It has very limited, limited ability to enjoy. That's not the real purpose. So Shankaracharya states that the, that the uh, three most uh, rare things, most precious things, first is a human body. That we seem to have, right? After at least, at least eight million births before our first human body, and how many human bodies we got to where we are now, to be sitting in a temple on, on, New, Year, on New Year's Eve uh, at a Kali temple. Very rare thing. So the second point, he says, Shankaracharya says, a human birth and a desire for liberation, desire for God, right? This is why we're here and not out partying tonight, or we're partying, but a different type of partying tonight, right? We want to do it in a spiritual way to keep our mind focused and to, not, to utilize this birth properly. Because out of all the human beings, how many are interested, really have a hunger for God? Religion is big, but actually hunger for God, that's a different thing, a real desire for liberation. And then the third one, he says, maybe you know, that's the third in the. It's called uh, Mahapurush Sangha, the company of a great soul or great souls, company of devotees, company of saints, company of guru, right? Because to to be human body and desire God, but if you don't have holy company, it's very difficult, right? So if you have these three things, very difficult to attain. We don't know if we'll get them again, right? Right now we're all here, but in a second we may change bodies. Right, we, we don't know if our next breath or our next birth is coming. What's next? Our next breath or our next birth? We don't know. Right, and our next birth will we be at a temple? Who knows? So right now, so, so this is the thing that making this a little bit pregnant moment. Right, uh, these 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 junctures when you like New Year's or birthdays, where you, you take these things a little seriously, you take take a, 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 a analyze your life and how it's being used. You know, that's why everybody makes all these. What is it? Uh, Resolutions, you know, we want to make fresh resolutions, you know. They last, for me, they last two days. And then yet again, I'm eating cookies. <laughs> that's, really the one, that's my yearly one. And yet again, you're eating cookies. By the third day, I eat cookies again. <laughs> we start small, we haven't managed it. So, but the, so, the, that's one of the important things that this human birth is such a rare thing. And God realization is a goal of. So, Sri Ramakrishna, God, can, God exists, God can be experienced. And, God, and the experience of God is the actual goal, the purpose of our life. But then he did a fourth one that's a little harsh. But Sri Ramakrishna wasn't trying to uh, win followers. He was trying to wake people up, right? <laughs> and so he says, and if you don't realize God, that means you've wasted your life. The purpose of life is to realize God. And if you don't realize God, then you've wasted a birth. So, I mean, Krishna in the Gita is a little more gentle. Then you pick up and there's no, nothing lost. Ramakrishna is not as gentle. Then you've lived your life utterly in vain. Right, so it's designed to put a fire in and make us very serious about this little tiny flicker of a human birth to use it properly. Or not a human birth, you can say one year, another year is gone. I gave this talk last year, right, <laughs> to myself. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> so, it goes. so anyways, we'll read because we're running out of time. On 1st January, 1886, how many years ago is that? Anybody good at math? 1886. Hundred. 124 years ago today, or tomorrow, right? The Master felt, Sri Ramakrishna felt a, a little better and expressed a desire to walk in the garden for a short while. He was actually bedridden at this time. He couldn't speak, and he was not in a condition to be seen. 
and he couldn't eat, he could barely eat, and so much pain, and he was emaciated just in bed, and people couldn't see him. But that day he felt a little strong, so he wanted to go out for a walk in the garden. We can go, you can go to that garden. Because it was a holiday, the householder devotees began arriving at the Kashipur garden after midday, individual and in groups. Because in India also, first January is a holiday. So on the holidays, uh, the, the grihastas would come to see, at least, they wouldn't always get in, but they'd at least come to spend some time with their guru, Sri Ramakrishna. The master came down from the upstairs at 3 p.m. There was more than 30 people talking amongst themselves inside the house and sitting under the trees in the garden. They all stood up reverentially and bowed down when they saw him. The master went out through the western door of the hall, descended into the garden path, and proceeded slowly southward to the, to the gate. The devotees followed him a little at a little dis distance. When he reached the midpoint of the path between the house and the gate, the master saw Girish, Ram, Atul, and a few others under a tree to the west side of the path. They bowed down to him and came to, and came to him joyfully. Before anyone had spoken a word, the master addressed Girish, asking him, Girish, what have you seen and understood about me that makes you say all these things? to everyone, wherever they, wherever you go. This is referring, Girish Ghosh is a very, I many people know he was a, a famous dramatist and playwright, and uh, uh, one of the more colorful disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, right? Uh, uh, he was, um, um, what, he made a statement that there is a, a, a no sin that he has, no, he, what he said that if, if I knew I had such a huge hole to throw my sins, in Sri Ramakrishna, I would have committed many more in my life, right? He had a, he was a true uh, he was the, what they call what, what what's the word they always use to describe him? Uh, bohemian, bohemian. <laughs> well, I don't even know what that means anymore. But a bohemian devotee of Ramakrishna, very colorful character, right? And and uh, uh, but he had so much faith in Sri Ramakrishna. He believed him to be God incarnate, and so he was telling everybody, Sri Ramakrishna is God incarnate. Right, and this is like not even Vivekananda and Brahmananda, the Sri Ramakrishna's main disciples, were preaching like this. Right, they're just serving. But Girish Ghosh was boldly preaching his absolute faith in his guru. So the first thing that Sri Ramakrishna says, Girish, is what have you understood that you're going around telling everybody I'm God, that I'm an avatar? Right. What more? Uh, 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 Girish, what have you seen and understood about me that makes you say all these things? that I am an avatar, and so on, to everyone, whether you go, wherever you go. Unperturbed, Girish knelt down at the Master's feet, folded his hands and before his raised face, and responded in a voice choked with emotion. What more can I say of him? Even, even the sages Vyasa and Valmiki could find no words to measure his glory. That was his answer. Not even the, who is Vyasa, is the author of the Mahabharata and Bhagavatam, Valmiki of the Ramayana. So the Krishna Leela and Ram Leela, they cannot describe your glory. Thinking, but basically saying that you're the one who is Ram and who is Krishna, that Vyasa and Valmiki couldn't describe. That was his answer, who do you think, what, what do you understand of me? Right. Girish's sincere faith expressed in those words so moved the master that he said to the devotees, while looking at Girish, what more need I tell you? I bless you all. May you all be illumined. This is a big statement. I think the word used is Chaitanya Hook. May your consciousness be awakened. Right? And so in Sri Ramakrishna, he didn't s say these things normally, but he was so moved. So in this idea of the wish-fulfilling tree, that this is the day that Sri Ramakrishna became the wish-fulfilling tree, 
the mood is that, that Sri Ramakrishna always has all the fruits of anybody's desires. Right? But if, you, if you're under a tree and you, if you wait, if you sit under the wish-fulfilling tree, eventually the fruits you want will fall. But if you're impatient, what do you do? You shake the tree. <laughs> right? And so that's called sadhana. Right? <laughs> or longing. But so, so it says that that's, uh, uh, Girita, the mood of the, the Ramakrishna tradition, they be, we believe that the mood of Girish Gosh is sincere faith. So was the equivalent of shaking that tree. Right, that got him, you know, in that mood to look at all disciples, like we're in the room and said, "May you all be illumined." Such a statement. I bless you all. You all be illumined. He became overwhelmed by love and compassion for his devotees and went into ecstasy after uttering those few words. That selfless and profound blessing touched the devotees deep within their hearts, and they became mad with joy. They forgot time and space. They forgot the master's illness. And they forgot that they had vowed not to touch the master until his recovery. And none of them were touching Sri Ramakrishna because it would hurt him. And they feel it would, but at this point, they're all grabbing his feet. They're just, when somebody, your guru tells you that, be illumined, they all got excited. They saw that a wondrous divine being had come down to them from heaven and was calling them to them affectionately. They also felt that their suffering grieved him and that he was carrying in their hearts an infinite pain and compassion for them and offering them shelter as selflessly as a loving mother. They become anxious to bow down to him and take the dust of his feet. Their cries of victory to Ramakrishna, Jai Sri Ramakrishna, resound in all directions as one by one they bow down to him. As they touched his feet, the ocean of the Master's compassion birthed through all bounds and created an astonishing phenomenon. Almost every day in Dakshinishwar, we had seen the Master become overwhelmed with compassion and grace and blessed some devotees with his powerful divine touch. On this day, as he remained in that semi-ecstatic state, he began to touch each devotee present in a similar way with their joy, and their joy was boundless. The devotees understood that from that, this day on, the Master would no longer conceal his divinity from them or from anyone else in this world. They had no doubt that from now on all sinners and sufferers, despite their shortcomings, lack of spirituality and feelings of inadequacy, would find shelter at his beloved feet. Seeing the Master in that unique and exalted state, some became speechless and could only watch him as if bewitched. Some called out loudly to everyone outside, everyone inside the house to come and be blessed by the Master's grace. Others picked flowers from the garden and began to worship him, uttering mantras and showering him with flowers. When the master's ecstasy came down, came to an end after some time, the devotees calmed down. The master finished his walk in the garden, then returned to his house and sat in his room. So this is a walk in the garden. Ramachandra and some of the devotees have said that on that day the master became Kalpataru, the wish-fulfilling tree. So this is what it's known as Kalpatude, but the author of the, who's telling the story, he rejects this title. He says, but we think it is more reasonable to describe this event as a manifestation of the Master's fearless divine nature, or to say that he revealed himself on that day, granting fearlessness to all. The chapter is even called, the bestow, Master Bestows Fearlessness. It is said that the Kalpaturu, wish-fulfilling tree, gives people whatever they ask for, good or bad. But the Master did not do that. By this event, he let it be known clearly that he was a God-man and that he offered shelter from fear to all without discrimination. 
At any rate, Haran Charandas is worthy of being mentioned among those who were blessed with the Master's grace that day. As soon as Haran bowed down to the Master, the Master placed his foot on Haran's head. Seldom did the Master bestow his grace in this way. Ramlal Chattopudai, a nephew of the Master, was also present on that occasion and received his grace. When asked about his experience, Ramlal said, Before this, when I meditated, I could see only part of my chosen deity in my, with my mind's eye. When I saw his feet, I couldn't see his face. And when I saw his, his form from his face to his waist, I couldn't see his feet. Moreover, whenever I saw, whatever I saw never seemed to be alive. But no sooner had the Master touched me that day that the whole form of my chosen deity appeared in my heart as a living presence, benign and effulgent. Actually, it said that on this day, each what the, the cherished spiritual goal of each of his disciples, each one got that. Yes, the people are struggling to, to see the deity, see the, the other people, the non-duality, they had that. To feel the mother's presence, they got whatever they wanted. They, that's why it's a that wish fulfilling tree. The cherished spiritual desire was granted. We remember nine or ten devotees who were also present on that day. Girish, Atul, Ram, Navagopal, Haramohan, Vaikunta, Kishore Roy, Haran, Ramlal, and Akshoy. Mahendranath Gupta, the recorder of the Katamrita, Gospel of Ramakrishna, may also have been present. But amazingly, none of the masters would-be monastic disciples were there at the time. So Brahmananda, uh, Shivananda, Suryananda, uh, none of Sanyasi's disciples were present. It was only this, this manifestation was only for the grihastas, only for his household or devotees. The night before, Narendra, Swami Vivekananda, and some of the other devotees had been engaged in sadhana, in addition to serving the master. So they were tired and were sleeping in their room. So that, during that time, Swami Vivekananda and, the, and the, the boys who were serving Sri Ramakrishna, the whole night they'd spend in sadhana. And the whole daytime they serve, they'd stand taking care of uh, their sick guru. Right? Latu and Sharat, who is the author when speaking, Sharananda, uh, were awake and saw the whole affair from the roofs south, from the roof south of the master's room, but did not feel any urge to go there. Imagine looking out the roof and seeing Sri Ramakrishna blessing everybody going to ecstasy. And people calling, come, come, but they didn't go. Which is interesting, right? But why they didn't go is interesting. It's even more interesting. Right? As soon as the master had left for his walk, they had taken the opportunity to clean the master's room and put his mattress and pillow on the roof to be sunned. Because they did not want to inconvenience the master by leaving their work unfinished, they felt no inclination to go there. So this shows the unique nature of Sri Ramakrishna, the sannyasi disciples, that uh, they, even having these, these, this ecstatic blessing, they were concerned that, that, that to serve Sri Ramakrishna, clean his room at this time, right? Completely selfless, selfish, selfless, not even spiritually selfish, which is hard. Not even one, you know, even to, to uh, delay their own realization in order to serve their guru. Unique. We interviewed several devotees who were present on that occasion about their experiences. We, can, we shall conclude this subject by recording what Vaikuntha told us. Vaikuntanath met the Master at about the same time that we did. We have recorded some stories in this book about how the Master gave him instructions and formed his spiritual life. The Master initiated Vaikuntha with a, mas- with a mantra and blessed him. And from then on he practiced sadhana and tried his utmost to have the vision of his chosen deity. He understood that he would not succeed without the Master's grace. So from time to time he fervently prayed to the Master. 
When the master became ill, he had to move to Calcutta and then to Kashipur for treatment. Vakunta had the opportunity to ask him two or three times to fulfill his heart's desire. The master smiled graciously and reassured him, saying, Wait a little, my disease... Uh, wait, uh, wait a little. Let my disease be cured. Afterward, I shall give you everything. Vaikuntha was present when the events of 1st January took place. After the master had blessed two or three devotees with his powerful divine touch. Yeah, I know. We're, we, we can do it in eight minutes. I'm watching. <laughs> uh, the master... Uh, 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 Vaikuntha, um, first January, after the master had blessed two or three devotees with his powerful divine touch, Vaikuntha went before him, reverently bowed down to him and implored, Sir, please bestow your grace on me as well. The master answered, You've achieved everything. Vaikuntha said, Sir, when you say that I've achieved everything, it must be so. Plainly help me so that I can understand it a little. The master said, All right, and gently touched his chest for a moment. Vaikuntha describes it thus. Consequently, a wonderful change came across my mind. I began to see the Master's gracious, smiling, and luminous form in the sky, the houses, the trees, all human beings, and in everything else I saw in all directions. I was overwhelmed with extreme bliss. At the time I saw you both, the author and Latu, on the roof and called to you loudly, Oh you, wherever you are, come here right now. That spiritual mood and vision continued for some days, even in the waking state. I was amazed and spellbound by seeing the Blessed Master in all things. This experience remained whenever I went to the office or elsewhere on my business. My work suffered because I couldn't concentrate on my regular duties. When I realized this, I tried unsuccessfully to stop the vision for a while. Interesting, you did stop the vision of God, right? I now understood a little why Arjuna was afraid when he had the vision of the cosmic form of Krishna and why he prayed to Krishna to withdraw it. I remembered that the scripture said, liberated souls dwelt in the same exalted state of consciousness. I got a little glimpse from this experience of how much desirelessness is necessary for a person to remain continuously in that state. Hardly had a few days passed when I was so overwhelmed by this continuous vision and spiritual mood and found it difficult to function. Sometime I thought, shall I lose my mind? At last I prayed to the Master fearfully, O Lord, I am not able to contain the spiritual fervor. Please remove it from, please release me from this state. Woe to human weakness and stupidity, he says later in his life. Now I think, why did I pray that way? Why didn't I have faith in him and wait patiently to see what would ultimately result, what the ultimate result would be? I might have become mad or my, my body might have dropped away. Soon after that prayer, my vision and spiritual mood abruptly came to an end. I was fully convinced that my experience came to an end by the same person from whom I had received it. But perhaps because the complete cessation of that vision didn't arise in my mind as I prayed, he kindly kept a little of that experience in me. I could see that divine, effulgent, gracious form of the Master several times a day and was overwhelmed with joy and blessedness. Jai Sri Ramakrishna. So uh, tomorrow, today, it's at night. I know we're watching. Uh, uh, this is this is every this is my Leela every single year. <laughs> I read just to the last second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we can light the we can light the big lamp. Yeah.